You are listening to Infertility and Beyond. We are your hosts, Amy and Sasha. For us, it has not been easy trying to conceive. Come join us on this journey as we talk all things infertility, share our stories and the stories of others, bring you information surrounding fertility treatments, grief, and everything in between. We are here to connect and empower women as they navigate all things infertility and beyond. Let's get into today's episode. Good morning, ladies. Morning. morning. Well, guys, we are here. I can't believe it. We're actually like at the end of season two. Like I remember when we started filming, filming, recording for season two and now we're at the end. Oh my gosh. I know it's gone so quickly. Yeah. 30 episodes. What the hell? Yeah. And like, I guess a lot has changed um, in this last couple of months since we've started recording season two and probably a big factor of why we're going to have another break. Um, As you know, I've given birth to my gorgeous little baby girl, Aubrey, and Sashi is not far away from giving birth either. So yeah, it's really exciting. Um, it's so crazy yeah. to think like this this time last year like I never would have thought like I felt like I didn't even actually no I was pregnant this time last year <laughs> Oi, that's crazy to think I was pregnant yes, this time you last were pregnant year. and I was yeah and yeah. I was not even started IVF yet and I remember I was being oh it was just such a different time hence why we wanted to start this podcast like this podcast yeah. is like you're old probably like nine or 10 months old. And I remember being like, we need to do a podcast girls because like, seriously, like there's just not a lot out there. There's not a lot of support. And we did feel really alone. Like we knew we weren't the only ones in the world, obviously struggling with infertility, but it was a bit of a lonely time. And we were, I remember we just kept saying, we are so lucky that we were going through it together. Like what's the chances of two best friends struggling with infertility at exactly the same time? Like, yeah, definitely. I think like definitely having the support from um yourself Ames and Ashy like helped me get through those months I like at the time it's so crazy like you sort of it's not like you'll never forget how hard it was but it's almost like yeah I don't know it gets easier to deal with like it still makes me quite emotional like thinking about like the fact that I'm like oh I was pregnant this time last year and then I don't know, like a month later I had my first miscarriage and I was like, oh, man, that was like the start of just some like heartbreaking months and like and then, yeah, not thinking like you were really in the crux of it at that time now and now you have like a gorgeous little baby. Like it's just mind-blowing. Yeah, Yeah, it really goes to show that like a year is a long time and a lot can really happen and and change in a year. But like when you're in in the actual middle of it, which a lot of our listeners are, it really feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no rainbow that you can see and you just feel really, um, it's a very hard, negative, depressing um, place to be in in your life. And no no matter if it takes you a couple of months or a couple of years or tens of years, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's never good. It's never easy. There's never. No, it doesn't matter if it's, if you're six months in or you're six years in, like, I feel like it hurts people just as much yeah yeah Yeah. so um for all those people out there that are still on your journey please have hope and don't give up but we were very very lucky that um you know it 
whilst it felt like such a long time for us um, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't really as much as other people have to go through um, like time-wise. So um, we are eternally grateful and we just want to say keep keep on keeping on. You can do it. It'll be so worth it in the end. Like, you know, it's crazy because like, I look at Aubrey now and I say that I like she's just so perfect and I said to Aaron which I'm like if we had a fallen pregnant straight away and like I get so emotional thinking about it because I'm like if we hadn't a fall if we had a fallen pregnant you know when we thought we would um I wouldn't have her you know so you yeah she's the most precious little thing ever so I think as much as it's so hard and to hear yeah. when people have had you know have a child and that's all you ever want and they do say, you know, oh, you know, it'll be worth the wait and stuff like that. It's just so – it feels so belittling at the time. But really it it is because I wouldn't have her. I'd have something mm. – I don't know what I'd have, you know, had had it happened and straight it, away. It's almost like the timing as well. Like mm. obviously, you know, people are like, oh, it'll happen when it's meant to. And you're like, shut the fuck up. I hate you. <laughs> don't say that. But then when you get to a certain point and you reflect back, you can – actually see like the meaning of that phrase Mm -hmm. where it's like like I know there's certain things in my life where whilst it was like so hard to go through what we went through it to get to this point like I'm actually glad it's happening now because we're in a better position with um Jara's business and you know my work and um so and and I, I know that you feel the same with certain things that have happened in your life aims um yeah, definitely. but at the, obviously you know when you're heartbroken at the time nothing matters more than you know than having that baby but um I think it's it's like almost nice to see the silver lining in in those things oh 100 like I know that when again if we had a full and pregnant straight away Aaron would have only had two weeks off work and now he's got eight weeks off and honestly like that's probably like a massive thing having having as much time off with your partner when the baby's born as possible would Mm. be my biggest hot tip because I feel like it like it's been so nice to have him here supporting me along the way encouraging we we do things as a team we do things together and like I said like how do we fall pregnant straight away he'd already be back at work he wouldn't be here I probably wouldn't be recording this podcast right now um so yeah like exactly again like you said it's so easy to just say now that we're um pregnant and have a baby but you guys we're we're here to support you and we want we hope that today's episode we have some really Mm. good questions um we put a little um few few questions I don't know we put a a question box out to you guys and you guys have responded with um some really great questions that we want to answer as best as we can for you today so Ashley's going to be our um you know question lady (laughs) oh and I just I just want to add one thing in there a little shout out to Ashley gal um whilst we have some surprise surprising exciting news Ashley also has some exciting news and she got engaged it was very exciting it was a big big surprise but a lovely surprise so yeah november i know quick turnaround muck around she bloody i know (laughs) the amount of people who have been like are you surprisingly like are you pregnant are you pregnant i'm like yeah no, um, we've been together for long enough now. We know what we want. We want to get married. <laughs> yeah, nah, love that. I love that. You know, but then I mean, and then you'll be on the baby train, hopefully. Oh. 
yeah, so then yeah. I'm going to be starting my whole journey. Who knows what I'm going to face, you know? No, well, we hope that you've learned heaps from us in oh. the way of how to handle things but all the things that you can do, I guess, getting ready leading up to because I think that was like the biggest thing. I sort of wish I started taking steps before I was actually ready. Um, like I wish I had the knowledge, you know, beforehand. I think it would have made things a little bit less like stressful and like I was like, you know, trying to keep my head above water once I got to that impatient point. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, I've learned so much from doing this podcast and learned so much from the listeners and the people we've recorded with. And I feel like every single time we did an episode, I learned something new that I had no idea about. It's been mm. an amazing learning experience for me. Like, I feel like too, like you like learn from everyone's experiences and like that's the benefit of this podcast. If you can just help one person and even like you said you're not trying yet but you will try one day and when you do go to try I mean god forbid hopefully everything's fine but if it isn't you'll think back to like oh I remember that episode on like season one episode five and she was talking about she had that weird blah 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 blah. and you could go back and listen to it and I feel like I love listening to stuff like that like even in my um with like birth and stuff I listen to heaps of birth podcasts and when I went through my um you know labor and stuff and it wasn't going to plan I remember thinking back to all the podcasts I listened to that had they had done certain things in that podcast that I was facing and I remember going, well, you know, they did it and I can do it and it was such a good, you know, learning experience for me. So I think that's what I love about listening to podcasts no matter what mm. like, what the topic is because you just learn so much. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yay. Definitely. And so um, this episode will be dedicated to just the questions that we've had listeners send through because we did get quite a few. So it's definitely worth um, its own episode. And then we are going to do a bonus episode of Amy's labor story for anyone that wants to listen. Um, we'll have it as yeah a separate upload so that if anyone's feeling like they're just not at that point in their journey where they can sort of listen to something like that, then completely understandable. Um, it'll, yeah, just... It can sit there on the back burner for whenever you feel ready if you ever do yeah awesome all right well ash what's the first question yeah let's get cracking so the first question we've got here is what to do before you book in for a fertility specialist and is there anything a gp can check for prior um i might start this one um i mean not necessarily a GP because I think that they're extremely limited when it comes to fertility knowledge and unfortunately a lot of the time they sort of push you towards things like the pill and the marina and stuff like that which um yeah can sometimes be the the route cause of some hormonal imbalances <laughs> but um I do recommend seeing like a naturopath with a reputable background in fertility before getting to the point of seeing a specialist because I know that when I um, – I think I had seen a specialist before I actually went to my naturopath, Tia, who we had on a few episodes um, ago. She um, she actually got me on to some herbal tonics and some compound blends and, like, worked wonders for my actual cycle. So – um, to help with ovulation and everything so highly recommend that we also looked at my bloods and she could tell that like my what my adrenals were doing and my cortisol levels um so yeah definitely recommend getting like a full panel of bloods done in in conjunction with a naturopath and I think actually Emma who we had on quite a few episodes ago she's a nutritionist she also said that she can do um panels of blood work um 
Is, was that right? She said that she could do panels of blood work, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, I think they ordered them and you've just got to pay through like an online That's like, right. Portal. But like it is, I remember doing it one time and it is, it's a bit of, I think it was like around $100 or something, but it is kind of worth it because they actually look properly into it instead of just a generic um, mm. subsidized, you know, um, Medicare ones, which they only really are allowed to look for very basic things, which. Yeah, they're very limited in, in what they can um, can look at. Like I, I know that nutritionists and naturopaths, they look at like the cortisol levels and um because stress plays like a huge part in our hormones which I think we forget about a lot of the time where you know we're constantly in this fight or flight mode and we don't actually like like you know I could be stressing about not getting to an appointment on time and I, I feel fine but my hormone levels and everything's going haywire in there so it's just good I guess to to get a visual on, on that to see if there's anything that you can change vitamin wise or um I guess habit wise. Yeah. Yeah. And I I recommend too, like, don't forget about your partners. Like it's a 50, 50, you know, contribution. So make sure that as soon as you're starting to get your stuff checked, you can also get him to get his stuff checked. I mean, he could probably just go to the GP and ask for like a sperm count. And there's a lot to look for in the sperm as well, like motility and stuff like that. It's not just like, um, it's not just, you know, one thing. They do look into stuff like that. But also he could go to the nutritionist or a naturopath as well um, and, you know, get on some supplements, clean up his diet, definitely stop drinking, you know, every night or on the weekends and stuff. Like there's a lot of things mm. they can do, you know, prior to trying to conceive because the last thing you want is you to be doing everything right and then you find out, you know, halfway through your journey that, you know, maybe it wasn't you, maybe it was him or, you know, it could be both of you and then, you know, it's it's quite disheartening. Mm, which is sort of what happened to me like yeah I was like sort of like I think I was like seven months in and then we sort of discovered that you know my it was my partner that sort of should have been you know taking all the bloody 700 million vitamins and <laughs> all that jazz but um yeah so definitely recommend that I, actually another one that I didn't mention was homeopath because I know Mel was talking about the um uh the different what are they called? I'm had a mind blank. The different things that she can put together, yeah, tonics like that she can put together that can support sperm quality and everything. So um, that's amazing. Yeah, I was just going to say, what episode were they on? Because I was going to say, um, if you guys go onto our IMB one, there'll be Melissa the homeopath and Emma the nutritionist. I'm not exactly sure exactly what. Right. Now. Oh yes. Um, we can put the them in the show links for sure. Oh, Twenty five we'll is Melissa. Sorry, and then oh, um, yeah. I'm on to it. You're a ninja. <laughs> oh, and Emma is number nineteen. Oh no, wait. Yes, she is. Sorry. Yes, number nineteen. So nineteen twenty five. If you want to refer back to those two, and we also have um. Oh, we also have um Tia as well, the naturopath. So twenty eight. Yes. We have quite a few episodes that could help if you are interested in. Like, you can obviously look into um contacting them as well um and also just like a basic amh level tested um the gp can can do that um it's about eighty dollars so they probably won't recommend like they won't suggest it to you because for some reason gps are weird about well my gp was weird about me paying for things they thought i probably wouldn't want to pay for something like that and they always say like oh you're so young you don't need to get that test done like i think like so like three gps said it to me and uh, Mm -hmm. the first few times i was like oh okay no worries i won't worry about it and yeah you definitely need to get that tested if you you have it yeah i think they won't ask you, but if you want it, you can say, hey, I want to get an AMH test. I, I understand it does cost, but I'm happy to forgo the cost and then mm. they'll say no worries. But also don't 
like I think if you get your AMH tested and it's not ideal, um, it's great because then you can start going to a fertility specialist and looking at your options. But also if it, um, you know, like I feel like a lot of people I've spoken to since starting this podcast, your AMH isn't your be and all and end all and you can change it and it can, you can still fall pregnant if you have a low AMH, but there's mm-hmm. obviously, it's good to just know so then you can start working on what you can do to help it. Whereas if you didn't know and then you go to ha- have a child, you know, five years from now or whatever, and then it was, you know what I mean? Like it's like all about knowledge is power kind of thing, knowing. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, because I mean like um, Crystal who we had on um a while back she suffered from severe endometriosis and she said that um, she actually told us that endometriosis diminishes your egg count and she knew someone that was 19 and her egg count was extremely low and now if I was 19 and had asked my GP to test my AMH and they're like no that like you would have all the eggs in the world and then you know five six years down the track met my partner and then found out I had like nothing you would have wished that you tested it like we don't want to scare people but it's all like you said like knowledge is power and it's just I guess yeah having you know she could have froze her eggs back then and had more options and like better Mm. quality um so it's just yeah yeah because I think there is a bit of a link with um endo AMH even though again I'm definitely not a um anyone that should be making you know those um assumptions but just what we've heard through guests on the podcast um a lot of them have said if they've had endometriosis that amh has kind of reflected that so maybe like yeah if you're listening to this and you're not sure i mean it's 80 dollars. what the worst you're going to do is get 80 dollars. they they say it's great or they have you pay 80 dollars and they say look it's not so good and then you can you know move on from there so yeah exactly yeah, yeah. all right so um let's move on to question number two did either of you buy Doppler for pregnancy? How about Sashi? Do you did you look into that? I felt like you did. Um, I mean, I'm surprised that I didn't because I had so much like stress and anxiety throughout my <laughs> pregnancy. Um, no, I I didn't because I heard um, I heard that it it is like a little bit bad for your mental health in the way that um, you can I guess not put it in the right spot and then freak out and think that there's no heartbeat and then you know it creates more stress and anxiety I guess than you know than it's meant for. Yeah, yeah, and I've also heard that like um with ultra I mean I am not a medical professional and I could be butchering this but um I've heard that like with ultrasound and dopplers and stuff that it actually um lets off like a frequency like a sound and it actually disturbs the baby like not disturbs the baby but it's like you know it's not it's not healthy to have it on there 24 7 like you know for a baby um well not not that it's not healthy but it's it can be disruptive you know like not great for them so um can you so, imagine yeah. still spiraling like it, it would be one of those things where you you could start go one day oh I don't feel movement put it on in the morning and then before you know it you've been putting it on every single morning when you've woken up for like three oh, months and it like, would get oh. addictive yeah and like the sound is so beautiful like yeah. it's just you know you want to bottle it up and just hear it forever um so I yeah I, I feel like I would be one of those addictive people but just because I had heard um people saying that yeah it is sort of you you can give yourself like a you know a false heart attack yeah. <laughs> if you don't if you don't hear it I was like oh I don't even want to sort of go down that route like you know and there there were a few times where I was like worried about movements and I was head casing and freaking out and um 
yeah, so I'm sort of, I'm very glad that I didn't actually get a Doppler. Did you, you didn't get one, did you, Ames? No, no. Aaron, um, being medical, he's a, um, a registered nurse. So he was like, oh, babe, I should, like, he kind of suggested it in the early days. He's like, oh, I could get a Doppler because, like, he knows how to get, where to get them or whatever. I don't know. And then um, our midwife actually said, oh, I probably wouldn't. And then she explained why. And then we both kind of looked at each other and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then she said, though, like, you know, if you ever have any scares, you know, I'm one phone call away. And even if you're not part of, like, a midwife program or anything, you know, like, you can go to the hospital, you can go to emergency, you can go to your GP, you can call your obstetrician. There's so many people you, you should call. And to be honest, if you're not feeling movement and it actually is actually not, you know, there's something wrong, you probably should go to those, um, you know, medical mm. professionals anyway and, you know, get on the proper monitoring systems and, you know, um, yeah. Well, but like I, there could be something actually wrong, but then yeah. you hear a bit of a heartbeat and you're like, oh, it's actually fine and not think anything of it. Whereas if you didn't have it at home, you would prompt yourself to go and actually get like, um, you know, a better checkout and where yeah. they could potentially find something. So, yeah. I remember another thing too, like my, I can't remember who told me this, someone, and I did this a few times. She goes, if you don't feel movement, get a cup of ice water for really cold ice water and scull it um, and then lie on your left-hand side um, for 20 minutes. And then if you don't feel movement again, do the same thing where you drink another cup of water and do another 20 minutes. And if you still haven't felt movement after that, then call the medical professional because sometimes they're just sleeping, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is about lying on the left side. It's something to do with that's the better side for the baby. I don't know. And then the fact that the cold water should wake them up. Um, and every time I did that, it, it worked. Um, and yeah, I think that, I don't know, that's a good little hot tip. I think someone else said drink yeah. orange juice. That was a good, um, cause of that sugar or even Coke. And not that you should be really drinking Coke. But, <laughs> you know. My OB told me to do star jumps and I was like, Oh, oh my God. God, absolutely not. Jara <laughs> actually one time I was head casing and freaking out. And it's like, once you get a thought in your head and you mm. think, like, I was like, uh, and I think it was like, cause I started feeling movement quite earlier, but then it's not like, it, it's almost like I didn't even know how much time had passed. But once I thought in my head that there wasn't that much movement, I like started freaking out and he made me have a freezing cold shower no. and jump up and down in the shower. Oh and it was like, oh my God, it was fucked up. Honestly, I do not recommend because no. the baby didn't start moving. Like it didn't no. actually do anything to the baby. Um, yeah, it was free. It was like, it was something out of, um, David Goggins. <laughs> <laughs> I think too, it's so crazy with the movements because I had an anterior placenta and I think you do too, which means your placenta is at the front. And I think like you don't feel nowhere near as much as other people who have the placenta towards the back. So it's so hard to rec- like I, even my, even up until birth, people were like, so how's her movements? Are they regular? And I'm like, to be completely honest with you, she doesn't have a lot of regular movements other than the fact she's a lot more active at night than the day. Yeah. They're like, oh, there'll be a pattern. And I'm like, no, no, no pattern. pattern. <laughs> no, literally no pattern. But I have spoken to someone who has a center to the back and she goes, oh, no, she, she's really active between four and six. And then, and I'm like, wow, you really have a timeline for your baby. So, you know, I guess, again, everyone's different. But my midwife ended up just saying whatever's normal for you. And I said, yeah, yeah. this is pretty normal. And you've just got to trust your intuition. You know when something's wrong, I think. You think you know. Your yeah. Heart. I think it, it is hard, though, like when you've been on such a journey to like not – I think it's like you're ingrained to think like negatively. Oh, like yeah. those people that sort of just like fall pregnant, they've like – their pregnancy is a walk in the park. They don't even – I don't know. They probably doesn't even cross, cross their mind, mind that yeah. something like that could happen. Yeah. But then for, um, I think – 
people like us and our listeners were like, um, we've come this far, please, universe, don't, like, don't stuff it up. Don't stuff it up for me now. Like my heart can't take that. But um, yeah, it's one of those things, I guess. Yeah. All right. So question number three, this one's for you, Ames. Yeah. How are you feeling post-birth with motherhood? Yeah, well, it's so funny because, like, when you – after birth, um, you have so much oxytocin in your body that if you wanted to sleep, you couldn't pretty much. Like, you'll have, like, cat naps because you the oxytocin literally keeps you – you know, insomnia you get – well, in pregnancy you get quite, you know, severe insomnia um, towards the end and you kind of can't sleep But and everyone's like, it's preparing you for birth. I honestly think it's um, – motherhood, sorry – I do think of that in the way of like, yeah, it's so true because pretty much when you go into labor and then the first few days of motherhood, you do have this oxytocin where you literally don't feel tired. Like I hadn't slept in days and I felt like I was fine. Like I felt, um, felt like I had a coffee and I was, you know, ready to get going. So, whereas my husband was like, I'm so tired. I'm like, well, what do you mean babe? This is, this is great. You know, (laughs) um, until it does, does wear off though, guys. So that's, that's an illusion. But um, motherhood for me is a hundred times better than I thought. And not that I thought it was not going to be good. I just think you don't ever know what to think. You, it's like one of those things in life where you, um, until you've experienced it, you don't know. And I think I feel very grateful because, um, Aubrey is a little angel so we yeah we're just I think the struggle has made it even better you know like I just we look at her and we're just obsessed with her and we just we're just so grateful um to have her here finally and yeah I don't know I I think I really thought too I, I think I it's one of those things I always, you know, you hope for the, expect the worst, but hope for the best. Like I was like, oh, I won't be sleeping and she's going to be screaming and it's going to be the hardest thing I've ever done and blah, blah, blah. And um, so far, I mean, we're only three weeks in, but she is really great and she is sleeping and she is feeding well. And again, we feel very blessed that she, um, you know, is such a good little baby and we, yeah, we're loving it. And um, I think having my partner here as well to be supportive and to, um you know, take share the load. Like last night, he did. You know, he was up as well with me, and you know, helped supporting me and changing her nappy. And she had a bit of a bad night last night, and he was there the whole time. And I don't know. I think it's a really beautiful thing. And I think I definitely believe that had we not struggled, we probably would have. I probably would have been a bit like, oh, this is really tough, and this is hard. But I think when you do have those tough, hard times, you just you've wanted it so badly, so you don't even you don't even care like you know so yeah it's beautiful and I I'm really really I think now that I've experienced motherhood I'm so excited for Sashi and everyone and all of our listeners who you know for you guys to experience that too because it is very special yeah we actually have quite a lot of our listeners that since releasing the podcast have fallen pregnant and they they send through some messages and it's like so special and um, it's so great that they're on, on this journey and can um, experience it soon. Like, Ames, you, I, you know, you are a natural at, at motherhood. You've never really been, like, a super maternal um, until, I guess, like, trying to fall pregnant and really, I guess, falling into that role. But now having little Aubrey, you are all natural. And it's it's like, you know, it's yeah, it's so beautiful to see. It's so Aww. special to see. And and I think knowing the journey that y- you went through, like it just 
my heart. It just feels so full for you. Like not that it's not full for other people that we know that, you know, have had kids and didn't struggle. It's more that, I don't know, it's just something that, yeah. I think too my biggest thing, like I I honestly thought I would be a bit of a head case when it came to like, you know, thinking if she's still breathing and, you know, that's just obviously I do sometimes have a thought in my head that I go, oh, my God, that's what if that happened? And I quickly try to dismiss it out of my mind. But I think a lot of the time I feel like I try to remain really calm and go, you you just got to trust that everything's going to be okay. Do you know what I mean? Like there's never – we can't control any circumstances from when you – trying to get pregnant to when your baby's here to when they're grown up and they're a teenager you never know what's going to happen and I really feel like you've just got to trust that you know you know your baby best and just yeah trust you like it's, it sounds so corny because people used to say to me just trust your intuition trust your gut and honestly you kind of do because I feel like I Aaron actually was stressing the first night we brought her home he was like every because they make weird noises and every weird noise or every time she sounded like she was you know choking on a milk or whatever <laughs> vomit or whatever um, Aaron would be up in the bed like babe I think I don't know is, is she okay and I'm like babe she's fine like I just knew she was fine and he was he was a bit at, like you know funny the first night and um I think it just goes down to that like connection between mother and baby like it is it is something that you don't understand that you have until you, they're here but then you know mm. you know you know that they're going to be okay so yeah it's a beautiful thing and yeah I really hope that everyone gets to experience it one day because it's um yeah it's beautiful yeah all right next question did you guys go chemical free or change what you were eating when you fell pregnant Sasha I think you should answer this one because before pregnancy you were the health freak of the three of us so what did you do (laughs) she loves to bake Um, her out she bakes all the time I love it yeah I feel like I've regressed on my good choice <laughs> um, <laughs> um not necessarily chemical free I mean I I guess that's probably like two questions in one because chemical free yeah. I would probably put down to um like with I mean I was doing it anyway separate to just like fertility stuff just because I'm just becoming way more aware of like what's in products and it's fucked up and makes me feel sick (laughs) so I have um pretty much transitioned all of my skincare over to like clean beauty products um and I just make sure that I um yeah oh yeah so like my my face cleanser my body wash like my hand soaps um my like moisturizer like it's actually insane what's in like moisturizers like what kind of chemicals that we're, we put on our skin and you know our skin's like our biggest organ and until you start like diving into it it you just that, that, like um businesses put like seconds for anything you put on your skin to be absorbed into your bloodstream so like that's yeah yeah and like I feel like there's so many products out there that look really great and healthy and natural and it's called greenwashing and where it like sucks you in and you think that like you know it's great and then you look at the actual you know products in it the ingredients and you'll you look them up because they're like got these huge long names scientific names that you wouldn't even know what they are and it's like you know like pore pore ointment that you put on your lips amy i hope you don't use it it's got petroleum in it yeah no i, I used to not saying that but i don't anymore like yeah I feel like the deception like we think yeah. that there's these things like yep, so highly recommend anyone like just 
starts to pay more attention to that. I, I don't know if it's just because I'm like getting older and I care more about that stuff um, as well as obviously, you know, trying to fall pregnant and um, being pregnant and everything. But um, same with like deodorants and stuff. Um, I have stopped using like an aerosol deodorant. I know this is like a bit of a touchy one with people because some people just can't go without it. And I'm not necessarily like a really sweaty person. Um, so I think I can get away with using like the natural um, I actually use no pong. <laughs> it's good. This brand and it and it's like a it's like a balm that you put on your pits and you still sweat, but like I don't know, I think I think it works great. And um I yeah, try not to use aerosol um cans or anything. And um what else? Oh, a huge thing for me was like I swapped out all of our plastic. So like we have pretty much no plastic Tupperware anymore we've got just all glass um and then also like serving stuff so like spatulas and stuff I just made sure that I sw- I've swapped them out gradually because it's expensive like I've done it over time just like swapped out things that are that are better for you that aren't gonna like melt into your food and you mm. eat like without you realizing because like I used to just buy like spatulas from Kmart and then after a while I'd look at the end of it and it'd be like all melted and weird mm. and like where the fuck has that gone? Have I like ingested that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like, you know, so just sort of, I guess doing that. And then, and then, um, you know, with foods, I just make sure that I wash like all my fruit and veg and, um, I try and get just more whole foods, less processed stuff. Like I was thinking about this the other day. Um, (laughs) so off topic sort of but like tuna like how does fish stay in a can for like over a year on the shelf but it's fish yeah but it's like you open it up and it's fine and like so I just I get in my head heaps about preservatives now I think like I think of like how quickly something goes off if if it's fresh and it's like organic as opposed to um like yeah something that's got heaps of pesticides and everything on it so just sort of trying to make healthy decisions in that way um do you know what my mum buy... told me when I was pregnant she reckons she was addicted you know how everyone has like weird cravings um mm. she was like her weird craving was tuna and she reckons she ate so much tuna and then she realized because they didn't have google back in those days and then she realized that like because she was eating so much like there was like that mercury poisoning thing that oh yeah and then she was like oh my god like she didn't get it or anything and then she freaked out and obviously stopped eating it but like I was like great <laughs> I'm the baby of like bloody mercury poisoning <laughs> everything that's weird about you you're like is it the mercury tuna days tuna like what i could not even smell like tuna when i was pregnant i would want to like like oh. so anyway i know weird, so weird. 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 yeah <laughs> but yeah so sorry i rambled on with all that like but um but yeah to um i've definitely I'm not the pinnacle of health. Like I had nachos for dinner last night and had so much cheese on it and it was so good. <laughs> when you're pregnant, like, so... you gotta do what you gotta do. I don't care. Anymore. I'm really enjoying myself. I'm like, look, I'm just gonna like like to a certain degree, I still eat healthy. Like I still have like oats for breakfast and try and have fruit and like a green smoothie and um but then I definitely have eaten more like chocolate and like I've been loving lollies like I've been making myself sick off skittles lately <laughs> that that's like chemical whatever it's made out of I don't know but it's like delicious <laughs> yeah look I think basically at the end of the day you've got 
at the, if you just eat a very well-balanced diet to a certain extent and take your supplements and your vitamins and, you, you know, your greens powders and stuff, if you have, you know, a row of chocolate or, like, eat a whole Easter bunny at Easter, like, it is what it is because, you know, we've all done yeah. it <laughs> and it's fine. 100%. But, like, and going back to the chemicals as well, I think I um, yeah. I changed up my chemicals as well a few years ago, like, everything I was putting on my body. But um, I also recently changed all my household stuff and it's called that Koala Eco brand, I'm pretty sure it's oh, called. yes, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. For, like, hand soaps and, like, dishwashing detergent. Yeah. Yeah. And now that I'm washing. Yeah, it makes a difference, definitely. In, like you know to wash them before I sterilize them I'm washing them in natural you know product instead of you know soapy detergents and stuff so that makes me feel mm. better but yeah look I think you can, again you can only do what you can do right in life like, yeah you can't be a superhero but yeah. yeah one thing that I actually haven't changed over yet that I've been meaning to do is my laundry detergent yeah. I've just been like super lazy um I I guess like about to have a baby and, you know, washing so many, many clothes um, Mm. and a lot of washing, I guess. Um, And our, you know, body being our biggest organ and I guess what goes in, you don't think about it, I guess, being on your clothes when you put them on like the actual chemicals. Mm. Um, But I'm, I'm planning on swapping, excuse me, sorry. Wow. Reflux. Um, (laughs) I'm planning on swapping over to this brand called Dirt. I don't know why it's called dirt, but um, apparently it's Epic re-laundry detergent. Um, Did you, Amy, do you have that koala brand in your laundry detergent? Um, No, I have another one. It's called Norway, 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 oh, far out, I forget what it's called. You know that Norway brand, I think? It's like an, it's like an eco one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once I run out of that though, I might go to dirt because I don't have that access to that person who got me that. Yeah, yeah. Well I um yeah, I've heard really good things about dirt. Um so for anyone out there that is wanting to make the transition, that we've had yeah, heaps of people say that that's really good. So yeah, cool. yeah get on to it. Awesome. <laughs> Alrighty, so the next one is a little bit of like a double question again, but this is about some hacks. So what was your top pregnancy hack or your TTC hack or any tips you've got for the listeners? So Amy, do you want to kick it off with some uh, pregnancy hacks? Yeah, sure. Um, My biggest pregnancy hack is get yourself a ton of snacks and don't stop eating, basically. No. (laughs) Snacks by the bed at all times. Yeah. Amy, you snacked like before you were pregnant. You'd have a a, a banana at three a.m. in the morning, like randomly. My metabolism is super fast, and it's always so you, and I need to snack at all times. Your snacking yeah. schedule didn't really change, and you're a hairdresser, so like you have to snack rather than like big you know meals. enjoy a big meal. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Both snacks and like yeah. Obviously, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're hungry, like eat. Your baby is needing to be fueled, so or your body mm-hmm. needs to be fueled to fuel your baby. So. Yeah, um, definitely snacking and um, also like if think of all the expectations you have for pregnancy and I guess kind of like lower them a little bit like because, you know, I mean, hopefully everyone has a really healthy pregnancy and everything's great, but like sometimes, you know, like you you probably think, oh, yeah, I can still, you know, go to the gym, do it work an eight-hour day and then catch up with my girlfriend for like dinner that night, mate jokes no you're you kidding yourself you, you can't, can't do any of well, half that oh and then and I think if you have the expectation that you're going to do that you feel worse about yourself or like if, if you've seen someone else like has worked out their whole pregnancy you feel like a piece of shit if you're not like doing certain things or yeah. like so I think if it if you just don't have an, an expectation like I know I 
you know take a day by day that a lot yeah take a day by day for sure and like if you are just feeling crap and you want to eat a crap meal like do it don't feel guilty you know like yeah you grow on a baby you deserve it (laughs) um and what about trying to conceive um I guess my biggest thing for trying to conceive is probably like to plan some nice little things for you and your partner to do. Um, Like I feel like we get so wrapped up in the journey, especially when it's a hard one and we're constantly getting knocked down by, you know, shitty news and stuff. But if you, it doesn't have to be like a huge, like a getaway or a holiday or anything, but it's just like little nights for you and your partner, like a date night or doing something special. Cause I think we forget that they, that relationship was there first and that, We do need to like, you know, that baby needs to work into our lives. We Mm. don't need to work our lives around that baby in a way, you know, like to a certain degree. So I just think, you know, that that makes it special. And it is really hard on your relationship when you're going through like infertility. So I think if you're just aware of how your partner it could be feeling as well as you, um, you know, like if you go through a loss, like obviously it's so hard on the mother, like the baby is in her, in her womb, but like boys tend to, like I learned a lot through Jari, like I guess he's a man of few words, but like he took things very hard. Um, but wanted so it's to just like for you probably. So not yeah, sure. Like, he's actually yeah. Like, yeah, wanted to be the rock, but like, I think it's just like being considerate and just remembering that like they're on this journey too. Yeah. Um, and it just, I guess, hopefully doesn't put as much stress on your relationship if you're doing those things and um yeah I think also like a nice tip is like you can obviously use it in during pregnancy when you're trying to conceive or in my case I've been doing this since baby's been born and just like every night or it doesn't have to be every night every every day if you can or every other day if you can't you know if you don't have the time but just saying something positive to your partner like um you know I said you know I said Aaron oh babe thanks so much for cooking dinner tonight or I really appreciate you getting up with me and helping with the change nappy change or hey babe like um you know I really just telling them what you appreciate yeah they've done something good like it sounds like like words of affirmation one of the love languages yeah Yeah, sure because I think it's so easy to kind of be like oh you didn't help me do this or you didn't like you know complain about or you know when you're trying to conceive oh you didn't come to my you know fertility appointment well maybe they couldn't get up time off work but maybe he called you right after and made sure he was there to you know oh how did it go babe and like you know he's they'd still they're trying and I think it's good to acknowledge when your partner's trying and and they should be acknowledging back to you what they appreciate you know thank you so much for for going to that fertility appointment babe you know thank you so much for you know carrying my baby like and if you start doing it to them and say you would like it in return I mean at first it could seem a bit weird for some people to open up and to say things like this to their partner but I know it goes a long way because I know when Aaron says to me oh babe thank you so much you know for getting up every two hours to breastfeed our daughter like it's I, I really appreciate that because I can see that he can see what I'm doing and I don't feel like I'm doing it unnoticed, you know. So I think yeah, it can go a long way in whatever part of the journey you're in and I think it's really important to keep that communication. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Alrighty, so we'll jump on to the next question. One thing you can't live without on your TTC journey, so for example, wine, coffee, massages, I am actually going to answer this one first because as a (laughs) friend, I think something that was really important that I found both of you really appreciated was just 
having someone there to talk to that wasn't your partner so like can't live it out on your trying to conceive journey it's probably ashley (laughs) (laughs) you you can hire her out for um 50 dollars a day yeah wait let me just figure out my fees here (laughs) she's got to pay for a wedding guys come on (laughs) yeah literally i'm so poor um but i just think having someone to talk to so like you know Mm. making sure you have some good people around you be it friends family you know your mom whoever is your person Mm -hmm. having them available if it's just on the phone or catching up like i just feel like being able to talk about your feelings or just escape from it for a bit is also yeah. so important. 100%. But like, what do you think, Ames? Like, I know you love a massage. Was that something you couldn't live without for your journey? Oh, well, in the beginning, yeah, that sucked. The first 12 weeks, you can't get a massage. But let me tell you, as soon as that 12 weeks was over, Ames was in getting massages on the reg. So <laughs> basically, and I don't really care for coffee or wine. So to me personally, it was just, yeah, I didn't really miss much oh sushi i didn't eat sushi and that was really nice to eat um don't don't you've you've jumped ahead here it's trying to conceive journey not pregnancy (laughs) oh sorry doll no that's all right i mean it can go it can (laughs) (laughs) i mean that that's still important too like you know but was that you you know how people are like can't have that pregnancy but yeah you shouldn't probably have that trying to conceive either I mean, I'm trying to conceive. Like, oh, I missed out on some. Well, what's something that was like so imperative to your trying to conceive journey that you couldn't live without? Like, if someone was like, "You can't have this," and you're like, "I need it to function. I'm trying to conceive a child." You feel? Yeah. I can you come back to me? Plus, <laughs> 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 I stuck up, so I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just gonna stop you there. <laughs> I thought I could have done a little more too. You were running with it. Okay, you, you do trying up. to conceive. I did pregnancy. There you go. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, um, for me, uh, I mean, like I, if I haven't had a coffee, like don't even talk to me. <laughs> I Like I get sad when I get like gastro or something because mentally I'm like, but I want to have a coffee. But like my tummy's like, I don't think so. <laughs> so I, um, I definitely love coffee and I definitely love wine. I, um definitely still drank wine my whole trying to conceive journey <laughs> if, if probably more than any other time because I was like you know very emotional no but within like I wouldn't drink it in excess but um you know I do I do think that it was nice to calm my nerves I'm a very can be a very anxious person um sometimes so I would find like after work if I had a glass of wine it would like chill me out a bit you know relax me so I definitely think probably wine and coffee were my like if I if if someone tried to take them away from me I would be like a lion with a cub like (laughs) literally projecting projecting it so um and then yeah definitely my Asher girl because you know she yeah she was amazing as well amazing support what about me Oh, and you, obviously. Obviously. Amy's like, "Um, I need attention too. (laughs) I need some words of affirmation over this way, please. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) And you you did a good job. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, dear. No, yes, and you, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think having having people around you makes it a really shitty time that little bit less shitty. Yeah, yeah, something to look forward to, like you said, too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so 
Next question. Do your partners come to your fertility treatments and pregnancy scans? I find it hard for my partner to come and sometimes I feel like he isn't even interested. Is this unreasonable? Um, What about Amy? You go. Um, Look, I was lucky and Aaron pretty much came to everything with me and we managed to just do it around our work schedules um, and make it work. I think the one or two times he couldn't, um, obviously he did call me or whatever, make sure he made contact so that we could, um, you know, chat about whatever happened. I think, look, every relationship is going to be different here. Every circumstance and every position people are in is going to be different because some people don't have flexible work schedules. Um, For some people, I think it's again goes back to communication because you know is he not interested or does he feel like you've you've got this like are you one of those girls that um you know you're an independent woman and he probably thinks oh well she doesn't need me to be there but then you you know there's that lack of communication where he thinks you're all good and then you think oh he doesn't want me he doesn't even want to come so I think again unless he's literally said to you I don't want to come maybe he just thinks you've got this girlfriend um and you should probably just maybe reach out to him and say, hey, I really would like you to come to my next appointment. It's going to be in two weeks' time and this is the date and time and see if you can, you know, sort it out with work. I don't know. I think, you know, I think also boys aren't as invested as us, even if they really want a baby as well. I think there's times where they do just zone out, whereas that's all we ever think about. So I can see mm. how that could definitely happen, but I definitely think like we feel like we need them there more for support, like mentally. Mm. But they're like, oh, it's just an appointment for you to like scan your ovaries to see how many follicles. Like you can just tell me how yeah. many are there. Yeah. But like to us, we're like, oh my god, this is like the end all or be all, you know? Like so, yeah. yeah like communicating, I think, and then also making a plan. Like if you have if you have heaps of appointments that you know are coming up, like if you're going through fertility treatments and you're like, okay, well you may not your partner may not have like a flexible working environment but you could be like okay so which ones are you going to come to so then I can prepare myself and it's not Mm. like you're not getting disappointed like leading up to those appointments when they say they can't come or they can pre-plan with work which ones they can come to um as well so I think that that because I I was lucky like Jari could come um to all of mine like I he's come to He's only really missed like one pregnancy scan out of like that's including like all of our fertility treatments, um, appointments and everything. Oh, except like he didn't come to me when I went to like um, um, my naturopath or anything, but I just mean like when we were going through IVF and stuff. Um, yeah, he, he was able to, but that's because he owns his own business and, um, you know, like we're in the position where he could do that, but I could, yeah, we're very lucky. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, oh, this one's an interesting one. I haven't even asked this. Amy, now that you have Aubrey, what will you do for contraception? After I had my baby, the doctor wanted me to get back on the pill. What is your view? So it's funny because um, for our one-week checkup with our doctor, um, you know, to do the weigh-ins and for him to check over or whatever, the first a big conversation, like he did all the important stuff with the baby and then with me and then he goes, um, so basically let's talk contraception. And I like was so weird when he said that to me because I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? I don't need to use contraception. But his point was now that you've had a baby, you know, you could be super fertile 
don't think because you you know had to do IVF for this one that you might have to do it again for the next time because we have unexplained infertility we don't know what's wrong um and he was basically giving me my options and it was very weird because I was like I don't want to go on any contraception personally. I'm not saying this is for everybody. I have friends that have gone on contraception after having their first baby um, pretty soon after because they haven't wanted to fall pregnant. And for them, that was the right choice. Nothing against that. For me personally, and Aaron agrees, we aren't going to do any contraception as in the form of like taking medications and stuff. We will be using um, when I can actually have intercourse again which is definitely not yet um, but when I can um, we'll be taking other alternative methods like I will start um, when I do get my period back when I've stopped breastfeeding I will start tracking my cycle but um, we'll be using condoms um, and just being super careful um, obviously we are aware that it can happen you know things can change once you've had a particular child doesn't mean you're not you know going to fall pregnant um, naturally so we're very aware of that and I definitely do not want to fall pregnant within the first year. I just think your body, you know, needs to recover and also just not in our, you know, life's plan. However, if obviously if it was to happen, it would be a blessing and it would be a miracle and we'd be fine with it. We're married. We've got a, one kid already. We'd be, you know, so happy. So very different. Again, I think it's very circumstantial wise, like what your circumstances are. Um, and being that this is a community of people who have struggled, I guess it depends on, you know, why you struggled and, what the chances are of you falling pregnant naturally the next time. But I think none of us really know that because I've heard of people that have said, been told by multiple specialists that they will never fall pregnant naturally. And after having their first or second child, um, having a surprise, um, you know, because things had obviously changed in their body. So I think, again, I just feel like at my age and what I've gone through and what I know now, I think I feel like it would be very against my beliefs to go on a contraceptive pill or a marina or something mm. like that you know once I finish having kids very different story but until then I think I just want to um yeah mm-hmm. not put anything else in my body that needs not doesn't need to be in there and I'll be doing a, like an extensive blood panel very shortly too to make sure that after birth and everything my you know everything's going good for me um on that le- on you know on that kind of hormone and levels and stuff like I want to make sure I'm giving my body heaps of nutrients and stuff no that was good it was very detailed answer Ames <laughs> okay so next one how to get pregnant when not ovulating I have PCOS so Sashi do you want to take this one mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um well I mean I wasn't ovulating either and I thought I was, but I wasn't, and it sucked because I spent a lot of money on ovulation protection <laughs> test kits, um, which, by the way, if anyone's listening to this and they have PCOS, throw them, like, don't throw them in the bin. They're a lot of money, but don't buy them again because um, they aren't really recommended for people that have PCOS, and I found out after spending, like, a lot of money on them. But uh, the things that I recommend doing – is probably, I mean, doing as much as you can naturally for in the first instance. So like acupuncture, seeing a naturopath and going on like a herb tonic and a compound blend. My naturopath Tia, um, who we've mentioned earlier in this episode, she actually has a hormone balancing blend, um, which has helped women's cycle come down significantly. Like if you go on her website and look at all of her reviews from like real reviews from um, her um, patients 
um, clients. I don't know if they're patients, <laughs> but um, yeah, she she's I guess seeing some really amazing results out of that. And like when you bring your cycle down, then you're more likely to um, like ov- get that ovulation. So, um, so yeah, seeing an naturopath who can advise a specific fertility or cycle friendly meal plan um, because foods can definitely help. I also found um, pulling back on high intensity workouts. I used to do really hectic workouts and I loved it. Like it was like, you know, it was just part of my daily routine. Mentally it was so great for me. And it wasn't until I started really struggling with my cycle and my periods that I sort of did a bit more research and realized that sometimes this can really impact your hormones and your cycle, in fact. So I guess just doing more, I guess, like feminine energy stuff like walking and yoga and like low intensity workouts. Um, But then obviously if, if those things, if you're not seeing results or you are like me and sort of started doing that stuff when you were already in the trenches of trying to fall pregnant and feeling really impatient, um, then you can go see a fertility specialist and, and discuss things like ovulation induction medication. So like letrozole or Clomid or metformin, I personally took letrozole um, and ovulated it. Yeah. And I noticed the biggest difference. Um, like I thought I was ovulating I think it's just your mind plays tricks on you when you're like, oh, am I getting the cervical mucus? I don't know. But then when you actually do, you're like, okay, no, I definitely wasn't ovulating, um, at least properly. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I guess letrozole, um, but like ovulation induction medication doesn't work for everyone. And there's the different, um, I guess, doses that you can take. And there's also side effects. So, um, that's something that you'd have to speak to your healthcare professional based on your, I guess, like your history and the reason why you have PCOS um, as well. Because I know that there's all different sort of contributing factors and like levels of PCOS, I guess, that you can have. So, um, yeah, that's probably, I guess, what I recommend doing if you're not ovulating. Definitely probably the natural route sooner rather than later. Like that's all stuff that you can do even if you are ovulating as well. It's just to help with like the quality of ovulation and, and yeah, quality and everything. So, yeah. Yes. That's all that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she said. I'm like, oh, oh, this is one that I know. <laughs> all, too, all too well. <laughs> yeah, literally. Okay, mm. so... This is a good one. What did you do during the two-week wait to cope? So, Amy, if you can remember all that time ago when you had your two-week wait, what did you do? I was actually on a lockdown, so. With no work on my own. Um, yeah, no. Um, literally did that. And it was weird because as much as it probably was like bad because I wasn't doing anything, at least I was resting. I'm a hairdresser and I would have probably worked a 40 hour week had I not had that cancellation of work. So for me, it was really lucky. I was able to just sit at home, chill out. I think I started renovating my bedroom at that time. I did some yeah renovations and stuff. So I was doing minor stuff when I'm saying like I, we were like, you know, choosing furniture for the bedroom and stuff like that. But I remember just being like, chilling and looking after myself and trying not to read into it I think the best thing is keep busy keep your mind as busy as you can on other things but keep your body resting I know that's really Mm. hard to say but like 
you know it's like keep busy but not too busy that you're like burning yourself out it's more like little things that fill your cup up I think yeah um like self-care like obviously if you're not in lockdown like massage or like do a big walk or things like for you and not feel guilty that you're doing them for you yeah and like you deserve it don't go to the gym and stuff and if you do maybe just yet do a yoga class or something like that but don't feel like pressure to keep going to the gym I mean if you're someone who probably works out like you're a gym junkie maybe you can go to gym still because that's like part of your normal lifestyle but for someone who doesn't is gym is just a little small part of their life they go a couple of times a week like I personally wouldn't go to gym in those two weeks I just do walks instead and do yeah like Mm. I said do things to fill your cup and again maybe book a date night each week you know with your partner and do something nice with them so you got that to look forward to and Obviously, yeah. try not to go on any binge drinking sessions or anything. Maybe if you oh, definitely not glass of wine. Maybe have one in in a nice bath or something. But don't don't be going out, you know, binge drinking. I guess I don't know. Everyone's yeah. different. Though. Who knows? Take care. Yeah, Self care does not does not include like a night out. Just <laughs> <like>. <laughs> oh god. Um, <sighs> all right. So next question. So this relates to both of you. Have either of you ever had any treatment cancelled or postponed for a month or so for whatever reason? If so, how did it make you feel and how did you cope with it? So, Sash, why don't you kick this one off? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I um, When we were first starting our IVF cycle, I think I was, like, so pumped. I was, like, wrapped my head around the fact that, yeah, we're doing IVF, like, sweet I'm very organized had my dates you know it was probably already freaking pre-calculating when I'd gone maternity leave and I hadn't even had my egg pick up yet girl but, you pre-calculated um, every you step yeah <laughs> honestly why am I like this um no <laughs> but um yeah so I had like my dates and I was actually starting a new job and I was like freaking out at like uh, there was just a lot of moving parts I guess and like you know we had some things on and because I was gonna have to take a day off for the egg pickup and whatnot um my egg pickup actually ended up landing on Easter Friday and so I when you were when you're starting IVF like this particular IVF treatment they're like okay when you get your period like call us then on day two you start taking your injections so because I had PCOS I was it was just like I didn't even know when to expect my period so I was just waiting and waiting and waiting so when I got my period I was like sweet yep it's gonna work out with my events and like not events but like you know changing jobs and stuff like that this is gonna be fine I I had a bit of anxiety about having to ask for a day off like with my new job and everything for the egg pickup um and and the transfer and everything so I called them like yep okay I'm gonna start my medication tomorrow and then they called me back and they're like actually we have to cancel this cycle because we're closed on Easter Friday and I'm like I'm sorry what the fuck what do you mean I'm trying to have a baby I'm ready to go I'm roaring (laughs) I got my period like this is like you know like and for someone that has PCOS and has long cycles and you're constantly waiting for your period when you're trying to conceive it's like the only time that you'll ever (laughs) get excited about getting your period um yeah I I was crushed because they said that I would have to go on the mini pill for two weeks and then sort of I guess stop taking that and then 
like get a bleed, like a fake bleed. And then I could start with my medication. And I mean, looking back, I'm like, oh, it was fine. It was two weeks. But at the time, I think I just had my heart set like on starting that following day. It was all going to work out. And yeah, so I, I mean, it was only a short delay, but yeah, it, but I can't it imagine how delayed your it ended up being after that, like that you thought, you know, you're going to be pregnant within two, like that two weeks of that day. Oh yeah. And then look, it took, you know, probably another whatever, five months or something. And like, isn't it interesting what yeah. you would tell yourself now, if you knew what you knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're gearing like, well, I mean, I was pregnant. <laughs> I did, I did fall pregnant that mm. cycle. Um, but I, it's, it's hard because like, uh, yeah, I think I also went into it thinking like, I'm doing IVF. This is a done deal. It's going to work. And then we fell pregnant and I was like, oh, sweet. And I was completely shell-shocked like when it was a mis- miscarriage. And then mm. even like the second time I fell pregnant, I was like, oh, like I almost felt like I was like, oh, you just fall pregnant like when you do IVF and then had another miscarriage. So then by the third time I was like, oh, it's not even going to work like so negative but um but yeah that that two sorry got a little bit off topic there um that two weeks um I can't imagine what it would feel like for women you know that were down in Victoria when they were stopping elective surgeries and you know when they're not actually giving you a date like I literally just had to wait two weeks and I felt the way I felt and that was you know, like the world was ending. So yeah, I can't even imagine that. So, but Ames, you sort of had a few, well, I mean, nearly had to cancel your cycle and then couldn't do a fresh transfer. So you sort of fall under yeah, this category too. Yeah, similar sort of thing. Like, yeah, with my, when I got my egg pickup, they were concerned I was going to get ovarian hypersimulation. So um, I had to wait a full cycle, which ended up being about an eight-week turnaround from when I got my egg collection to when I actually got it put in, just by the time I had to get my period, wait a full four weeks, and then, you know, have the two weeks before my, you know. Oh, because you had to do like a natural, like you had to ovulate and then yeah. like from the time that they would then put it back inside you. Yeah. yeah. It was about an eight-week turnaround, so that was really tough because, again, I thought, oh, well, I'll get a fresh transfer and I'll be pregnant. And, you know, I thought I'd be eight weeks pregnant by the time I – actually ended up having to have my you know the fresh the frozen transfer but um in that time it was really great because I got to go on a holiday um I booked a holiday and got to relax and actually it was funny because I was ovulating on that holiday and I was kind of in the mindset of like YOLO if it happens it happens if not I've got my you know transfer in a couple of weeks time um and we still didn't fall pregnant so it just goes to show that you know, when people say, just book a holiday, you'll get pregnant. No, <laughs> obviously not. We were drinking and living our best lives and obviously sleeping together and we didn't fall pregnant. And I knew I was ovulating because I was testing. So, um, so yeah, waiting that eight weeks was really tough. Um, my advice would be, yeah, do something for yourself. Book a holiday. I had a few drinks. I just kind of, I looked at that last eight weeks in my head as like, this is my last eight weeks to live my best life before I get pregnant. So I did. And, um, and I did get pregnant, thank God, and I was very blessed to have it work the first time. Um, but, yeah, I guess as much as it feels like such a long time at the start, it will go quickly and, you know, hopefully it'll be the last, you know, eight weeks or two weeks or four weeks or three days or whatever that um, period is for you. Hopefully that's the last bit before you get pregnant. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. It isn't, it isn't easy. And if you, again, if you're not, I remember I had someone say to me, oh, well, it's only eight weeks. That, well, it's only one cycle. And you're like, yeah, but mate, I've already waited 45 bloody cycles. And it's not, yeah. So again, someone else's perspective from the outside is going to be very different. Probably don't talk to anyone about it that doesn't understand because they're probably going to say something rude that makes you feel angry instead of reassuring. So, um, yeah. All righty. So, Next cue, how do you find the balance between getting excited about a transfer slash pregnancy with managing your expectations and not getting too hopeful? What do you, what are your, um, what's your opinion, Sashi? Oh, this is a bit hard because it's like, I mean, it really depends, I think, on what you've already gone through. Like, I remember I was, like, so excited for, like, our first ones. And then for our third transfer, I was, like, it's almost like I was very numb and, like, emotionless and wasn't really, like, excited. I, you know, was pretty much, like, let's just get it over and done with and, like, see how we go. I had sort of made my mind up that it wasn't going to work and that it was only going to work when we went privately. Um which like you know obviously didn't happen but so yeah I guess trying to find the balance it's hard because you obviously don't want to like convince yourself that it's going to work but then you also want to be super positive and don't want to be like you know depresso Mm. and you know make every day torture so I think it's just like having an open mind and thinking like you know, it's okay if it doesn't work this time round um, and sort of not not putting all your eggs in one basket, unintended. <laughs> no, but like, you know, yeah, it is hard because it really depends on, on, the, on the situation that you're in. Like, you know, if you're like at, on your 10th transfer or something and it's just you're probably not really getting excited. It's more like you're just feeling super anxious and, wanting it to fast forward two weeks for you to find out if it's you know taken or not yeah yeah that's I think that's that was said well and it kind of leads into like the next question as well yeah I was about to say that it's sort of the same thing like the next question we had was how to handle the anxiety in the first trimester after a long battle with infertility I mean it's the same thing you know you guys had to keep an open mind and try to keep those intrusive thoughts out Mm. yeah and like it's sort of that the answer to this sort of touches on what we've already said in in other points of like trying to like stay a bit busy but like not too busy because obviously you're a bit exhausted but so that you're not thinking like in your own thoughts thinking really negatively of everything that can go wrong um which is like if that happened to me like to be honest my first trimester was like torture mentally because I kept thinking that, um, you know, it was just going to be over any day and any tiny movement. I was like, yep, that's right. I'm like, yep, having a miscarriage. And then I was like making myself feel sick, um, which, you know, really sucked. But I I sort of wish, like upon reflection, I wish I sort of tried to get myself out of that a little bit more, like, because it was really hard. Um, and just enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, easier said than done, obviously. Um, 
but at the end of the day you're the one who suffers like it's your journey that you yeah. miss out on if you think the whole time something is going to happen but again that's so easy to say and not easy to do. yeah and I think just like being super kind to yourself like taking each day as it comes one step in front of the other like don't put too much expectation on yourself that you should feel like oh I'm pregnant I should feel so grateful and so happy and so like you know like I have my shit together mentally because this is what I've wanted it's like it's a whirlwind of emotions and Mm -hmm. like you don't know if you're coming or you're going like so I think just like being aware that it's okay to like not feel like how those people on Instagram look and feel like they're glowing yeah (laughs) I was gonna say like don't compare yourself to others because like you know you could be having a really sick first trimester and then your friend who's just gone through it before you had an amazing first trimester and you're like well why am I feeling like this like what's wrong with me like not comparing yourselves to other people's journeys and just trying to really just like take it one day at a time yeah mm-hmm, agree and get up on social media if there's people you're following that aren't filling your cup or it's not maybe they're not feeling that maybe they're just not aligning with you right now maybe they are pregnant and it's triggering you just block like block their stories mm. and stuff and that's you know we've all done that it's not it's not a bad thing it's not against those people or anything it's just like you're you're guarding your heart you're guarding yourself yeah journaling like- I actually found like uh, like I was pregnant and pregnant people triggered me the most that at the time they've ever triggered me on my trying to conceive journey like it was so weird I think it was because I was like feeling quite negative in the way that like I'm not going to get to that point yeah like I don't know it was it was like I found that that was a real odd thing that came up um in my first trimester when I'd be in the shops and like see like a heavily pregnant woman and I'd just be like oh like but then I would think really guilty like I'd feel really guilty because I'd be like you are pregnant like what do you mean like Mm. but it was just this weird balance of like yeah yeah yes it's hard to it's definitely hard to navigate I wish there was one specific you know I wish there was wish there was like a way to really say but I think ultimately there's a, a lot of things we can say as tips and tricks but it's up to your own your own that each individual person to on their own journey to kind of figure out what works for them and mm. you know it's yeah definitely yeah agreed okay so what is Sasha's birth plan Ooh, um it's birth preference (laughs) um according to my hypnobirthing (laughs) no um I mean I don't really have like a plan or I think I'm just feeling extremely informed and educated um or I guess on the things that can potentially happen um and like the interventions and the pros and the cons and um I mean I'm gonna go in there with a a, an open mind I want to try and have as natural of a birth as I can um like mainly I like I want to like try and prove to myself that I can do it but I don't want to be a hero if I can't and feel guilty so I think like I'm just going to like I don't know just go with the flow which is so unlike me usually I'm like all right we need a plan we need dot points we need an excel spreadsheet <laughs> you've got an agenda agenda breaks yeah literally and I but I think um it probably you know what's really helped me get to that point mentally is probably having so many close girlfriends that have all given birth in the last like six months and have had completely different birth stories and all of their birth stories are so beautiful and okay like I think and they're like I, I think I am feeling super informed and educated so like if 
I have to go down certain routes, like I will be okay with that. Cause I think that I have enough power within my knowledge to be able to say, you know, ask the right question. Well, whether I can in that state or not, or like Jara is going to ask questions like, okay, like what's an alternative to this or why are you recommending this or, and then be okay with the cascading if it's required. If that makes sense. Like I think like some people, I guess, go in not doing any research or having any knowledge and then they sort of fall in the trap of the medical system of just like going like you know all the things happening and then they feel like robbed of their experience Mm. when they couldn't you know make decisions on their own but um yeah I think I think we don't have a birth plan I think the best thing pretty much don't have a plan yeah Yeah, don't have a plan but no options because I think at the end of the day nothing nothing in life goes to plan anyway let alone a birth that you've never done before and like let's be honest like you can I remember before I gave birth I listened to people's birth stories and I had an appreciation for the birth stories. I was like, oh, this is cool. And it gave me education. But it's not until after you give birth, you reflect back on all those other stories and you go, fuck, that woman was a fucking, she was superwoman. Like I look back now yeah. after going through the experience and going like, holy crap, you're a superwoman. And like, I literally, literally. have messaged people and that I remember them telling their birth story to me prior to me giving birth and be- me being like, oh yeah, like, oh babe, that's, that sounds hard. Like, you know oh good on you kind of thing I've gone back and messaged them now and be like babe you're a fucking superhero I cannot believe you did that because after going through what I went through and being in a similar situation I'm like wow like you're you deserve Mm. to be acknowledged because it is it's the hardest thing you'll ever do and it's beautiful and it's amazing but I think yeah just release and it's so out of your control like you have no idea like Uh there's literally like you can't it's something that you literally you can prepare as much as you want but yeah you really can't if that baby's going to come out how it wants to come out and like you know and when it wants to, to a certain come degree out like obviously yeah exactly so I think like there's certain things like I would love to like I'm birthing at GCUH at Gold Coast University Hospital and you know they have beautiful birth suites and you know I want to make it like you know with some fairy lights and like be, go in the bath and but then who knows I might hate the bath like there's women that say that they want to do certain things and then when they're actually going through like labor they're like oh absolutely not or you might so, not like, have time for it either like you know you might you might have really quick labor and you yeah. have the time to you know set up very that baby might just you know walk on out oh so babe, it might just slip on, right? <laughs> oh, like, on but i will be saying jari bring mama um a plate of salmon sushi and a big <laughs> glass of red wine okay she deserve it <laughs> Oh God! I can't wait to hear your birth story. It's going to be so exciting. I just I love oh, it. I love birth stories even more now. It'll be theatrical. That's Speaking of babies, my baby's wait. crying. I'll set up Facetime so that you can have a birth time. Oh, doll. please, please. <laughs> um, we, better... we can get that house party app. <laughs> <laughs> we'll share it with our listeners. But what, babe? Just go on, go on um Instagram Live. Like, why not? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my man. On the infertility and beyond. Oh Jesus. That wouldn't work. Um, so let's finish up just because Aubrey's crying and she's going to need some milk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not that we need to um, cater for somebody else. Oh, yeah. There's a little girl waiting for you. Um, I guess so there's like the final question that we've got is mm-hmm. someone asked that they would love to hear like a little bit of a rehash of your journeys and like what's next. Yeah. Um. I mean, well, I mean, 
Well, you can go back. Um, we probably don't have time to go into depth on um, our journeys, but I guess you can go back to episode two and three of season one where we go into, into detail of our journeys and sort of how we got to pregnancy. Um, well, I think Ames goes into pregnancy. Mine is a little bit further back, but it gives you a good idea. Um, and then we can also sort of do like more of a recap in season three, considering it's been, you know, a, a fair while since those eps came out. What do you reckon, Ames? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. I've maybe pop back in and have a listen there. But basically, mm-hmm. um, where to next? I think we're both just going to really enjoy the time that we have um, and we deserve to enjoy that time. And I think, you know, what's next? Obviously, we'd like to have a larger family, but I think just take it as it comes. You just, I think you can mm-hmm. only plan so much and so far forward in your life and then the rest is up to fate and the universe and I guess whatever that looks like. So I think, um, yeah. yeah, just – and I think that's the thing, even with season three, like we, we don't have dates and stuff yet. We just want to, um, you know, we've both got maternity leave and we're going to really enjoy the time we have with our family and we'll kind of, when it feels um, organic, we'll be back. Um, mm-hmm. but we're not going to put any pressure on it because, you know, again, that fourth trimester is so um, different for everybody. Some people thrive and some people are back to their old ways really quickly and other people need that extra time and want to really enjoy yeah. you know, time off with their family. So just gonna be yeah in the moment but we will yeah we will bring some bonus episodes of our birth stories just to keep you guys interested in the interim and we're always here if you have a need to reach out and for sure yeah Yeah, please just shoot us through a dm if there's any other questions like and we can talk to you on there we're so we're gonna have a little break from releasing episodes but we're still gonna be you know touching base here and there through the instagram um page so yeah don't be a stranger Yeah. yeah love it hopefully you guys enjoyed today's episode it's a little bit long but you know we had a lot to cover a lot to cover but anyway guys until next time thank you for tuning in thank you for listening and we hope you love the potty please like leave us some comments on here as well if you yeah if you like because that really does help yeah thanks guys bye bye ciao Just a reminder to everyone listening that we see you, we hear you, and you are not alone in this. Don't forget to head over to our Instagram, infertilityandbeyond underscore. Send us a message and let us know what you thought about today's show. And all corresponding links will be in our show notes. All right. Until next time. Bye.